What's up, guys? Welcome to Chatisfaction. I'm Keith, and we are once again joined by Sam. He's back. It's me, Sam. I'm back. And this enthusiasm is legitimate and the first time I've done it. <laughs> this isn't the second time we've started this no, recording. No, we didn't here. talk for 20 minutes already. That would have been absurd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's the hurdles of doing your own podcast independently. So, um, yeah, I had some uh, some strapping young chaps come in and talk with me while you were gone, Sam, and we had some fine conversations, but I'm happy that you're back. I'm happy to be back, too. I, I imagine our viewers, our listeners, really hated uh, every episode without me. Yeah, that was all the feedback I got. <laughs> this, this show sucks without Sam. <laughs> Good. Bring him back. Cool. Uh, we don't care about Dark Souls or Wonder Woman or women. Just get the boys back. Or dark women. Uh, or dark women either, yeah. Um, but yeah, you were gone because you were getting married, as I've stated on the show. Yes, I got married on uh, June 18th. And in our first take, I did a divorce joke, and I don't. Mm. I think I'm going to skip it this time. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great, great ceremony. It was super great. Um, so... Um. Well, let me, hang on, I do, I do want to re-say this thing. So, yeah, I sorry, I fucked up the recording earlier, and so now we've got to redo this, and it's weird, like, mm-hmm. retreading the same conversation. But I do want to say, for those of you who are not friends with me, who don't know me, uh, I married on Saturday, or sorry, on Sunday the 18th, uh, a l- lady that I've known since I was uh, two years old. And in fifth grade, I said that we should, that I liked her, and we should date, and then and when we were 25, she said that she liked me too, and we should date. Uh, and then we got married uh, a few days ago. Yeah, so pretty epic journey. Yeah, that was that's the short version of it. Uh, and yeah. I also want to mention that she is the reason that Keith and I know each other. That's true, yeah. Um, as we said before, but no one knows, but it happened in high school, and... Like you said, she was just like, hey, uh, I know a friend that plays video games. You like video games. Why don't you guys talk? Then on Instant Messenger, we talked. Then we met in real life. And we were both like, gee, Zelda's great, isn't it? And we both said, yeah, sure is. And that's how it started. This this is how you get to this moment right here. Where two guys are making podcasts across the nation. About games. About games and just life, you know? The game of life. From by Milton Bradley, Game. games and life. Um, um, but yeah, let's. Uh, so you had a good time at my wedding. I did. Um, I want to ask you what it's like to be married to the person you've been dating for five years and have known since you were two. Um, it is wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I it, it been a good thing that Tess and I had is that we. Ha- have been extremely close for a very long time. So even though we've only been dating uh, for, you know, four or five years, we have known each other pretty intimately uh, for, you know, since high school. Uh, we've known each other since we were younger, but we became very, very close in high school. Um, and so it's not like, I, I don't, I don't think either of us have any like skeletons necessarily that the other one doesn't know about. Like we're still, yeah. you know, we're still plenty capable of surprising each other and stuff like that, but we're, we're extremely comfortable together and we have been, you know, since pretty early on when we started actually dating, um, Mm. 
like, you know, for a lot of people living together is a big step. And honestly living together, I think made our relationship a lot more comfortable because we don't have to worry about like who's going where. Um, and, uh, but yeah. And so being married is pretty cool and it does feel a little bit different. Like day to day, obviously it's not any different, but I guess I, uh, there's just like a, a little bit more responsibility. I feel like, um, I feel uh, an emotional responsibility just a little bit deeper than I used to. It's not anything new, but it's like, you know, for a long time, it's like, well, this is the person that I'm going to marry, so I should act this way. And now it's this is the person I have married, so I should act this way. Like, And it's not a big difference, but there's just a little bit of a difference. Yeah, it's a good... Having responsibility or feeling responsibility is the quickest and easiest way to feel like you have purpose in life. And it's, it's a good motivator to keep living uh so i'm glad that you're kind of feeling that i think you and i have both gone through our spouts where we're like fuck responsibility we don't want any of that shit but having responsibility is good it makes you a better person and more pleasant person to be around in society and in a marriage so yeah it gives you uh you know some degree of purpose and i don't even mean anything that broad right now necessarily but more just like you know and subconsciously when i'm deciding how to like if if we disagree on something like if if there's if we get negative with each other at all like if there's you know i'm i'm interested i think i i feel like i respond slightly differently um than i used to and it's because there's a new degree of uh of importance and commitment um, yeah and tessa just walked in and handed me my wedding band because i forgot to put it back on as we went rock climbing so see mm. there's responsibility right there yeah um but no it's it's been lovely yeah i will say that uh i noticed this time when we came out more so than the other times is that you guys really because i think there was so much going on leading up to the wedding like there was still a lot to do Mm -hmm. i saw i noticed how well you guys you guys are just a team and like you do well together yeah uh, there's there's no like well Sam was supposed to do this and he didn't or like Tessa was supposed to do this and she didn't and it's more of like you guys had things you had to do and you accomplished them together and you just kind of never got shitty with each other if anything we might have gotten shitty with like other people doing annoying things but that that didn't even really happen that much so yeah no yeah it, it uh you know I'm not I'm not gonna say we don't get shitty with each other but it's definitely it was a stressful process. We are not good at it. Uh, we yeah. don't handle it well, or we didn't handle it well. We waited way too long to do a lot of stuff, but we pulled it off. Um, and I personally, uh, which is what you would hope, I had a fucking fantastic time at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was really, too. really just everything I thought went super well. It was really comfortable and just a really nice day. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I imagine that there's a super big payoff for having married someone that you decided if in the fifth grade that that was the person. Yeah, there is. And I I don't know what else would have happened, honestly. Like the stuff we said in the ceremony and the, you know, the vows and everything, like they're kind of real. Like I don't I don't know what the other path would have been for me. I have no idea. I don't think it would have been good. You don't think, but you also, you don't know. You it's never true. Know. You don't know. This is, 
this is the path and it's a good path so who cares yeah exactly mundo um what so going into it like getting married you decide this is the person you love more than anything and you've decided we're going to get married now you propose to her marriage is happening when does it start to be real or when do you like really start like putting together what this wedding's going to be because you guys got engaged was it a year before the wedding um a little bit more so we got married june uh we got engaged in january of the previous year so january 2016 mm-hmm. um so what's that 18 months mm-hmm. um and uh it we were in a tricky spot because when we got engaged, I was getting ready to go to my six month coding boot camp um, right. that was supposed to lead to a kick ass job, and so we kind of put a lot of the decision making on hold until we knew what kind of job I was going to have, so we knew where we were going to be living, what kind of money we were going to be able to spend. Um, we decided like the venue, and we tried to decide some other stuff, and it ended up taking me a way longer time to find a job. Uh, than we thought it would. So I got a job in March and we had so much shit to do because we put off so much of it until I had a job. And so then there's these last three months have just been this like frantic, um, cause we didn't, we opted to not do a wedding plan or anything like that. Um, which I think like, I don't know. I, I want to say it's a mistake. It was a mistake cause it led to a ton of stress, but I also don't think we would have liked our wedding nearly as much if someone else had put it together. Yeah. So I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. That was one of the things I liked about it is it seemed, it seemed crafted for our crowd. It didn't seem like cliche. Well, I mean, like there's cliche things. There's always going to be cliche things with that, but it seemed more like from the heart as, as far as like, it felt like you guys specifically put it together and that, you know, everyone had helped and you could, you could tell between like the artwork that was made for it and the signs that were made. It was all, all the stuff that was made by people that we knew and loved and right. It had a crafted feel to it. Yeah. It it was, uh, it, it was ours. It felt very much like ours. And that's the thing. Like I think when you use a planner, you get to lose all, a lot of the stress, which is really nice. And I, you know, it's, it's arguably worth it. I think even though they're expensive, but you're also getting, you know, you're getting a wedding package that has insert personal touches here, 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 and here, um, versus the whole thing being decided by you. And so I honestly can't say what I think. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I, it's kind of like uh, Roger's wedding speech. Honestly, like the wedding was so great that I am okay with the, all the frustration and stress and arguments it took to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still also like, I don't know. I would, I would also recommend that people, if they are getting married, get a wedding planner. Like it doesn't seem worth it at first to me, but I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine all the stuff you guys are going through. So you pick the venue and it's at the, this place called the Lions Farmette. What made you pick that other, other venues? Um, we looked at a few places. I think the Farmette actually was recommended by my sister-in-law mm. and, uh, Tessa went and checked it out and Tessa loves animals and it's just this nice like working farm with a bunch of animals and so I went and checked it out and I really liked it too like it's just a nice it was a nice like really pretty but sort of casual spot and that's kind of I think the vibe we wanted the whole time was like intentional and special but comfortable um yeah and that's that it fit the bill um 
And so, yeah, we, we both liked it and that we signed up for that. Like we signed up for that over a year ago. Like that was one of the only decisions we made early on. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, I've been to some weddings where you feel like you're almost in a museum where you don't want to touch anything because it looks so delicate or expensive or like you're really just supposed to do a one thing there and then leave. But at the farm at, it felt like you said, it felt pretty casual. Like it was a cool place. There was a lot of things, lots of things seen. It's very picturesque Yeah. with the, uh, the, uh, cotton, what were they like? Cotton leaves? Blowing um, cotton wood. Cottonwood. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Tesla super loves cottonwood. We had no idea they were there. And then the day of our wedding, it was like fucking snowing. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like it was snowing. Um, and not only the wedding day, like specifically during the ceremony, it yeah. just happened to be blowing this cottonwood everywhere. Um, yeah, so you decided the venue a year ago. When does it actually start coming together and why? why is it so crazy and hectic and why does it lead to just all these frustrations? Um, there are, I mean, there are a lot of reasons. Like I said, we're not very good at planning. Um, yeah. Tessa's always been really good at knowing what she doesn't like, but yeah. not knowing what she likes. And so that makes things really hard when you're trying to make big decisions, like what to eat mm-hmm. and what to do. What are you doing? Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm I'm secretly eating pizza off the mic, and Tessa just stole yeah. my pizza, but it's to give me more pizza, so I'm not upset. Um, okay. But, um, anywho, yeah, so in that, uh, that added a lot of frustration, because it, you know, I, I'm a, a guy, and I just want to make decisions, like, okay, let's just do this, and then, it, you know, the other side of it is, well we don't want to make this decision until we know what we're doing with this, which is true, but eventually you just got to make a decision, you know? And so that was sort of, we came up against that a lot. And so we'd put something off to try to figure something else out, but then we'd put that off to try to figure something else out. Um, and so we actually, our parents were really helpful in that sense. We had a couple of times where Tessa's parents would come out and we'd have this big powwow, uh, and they would sort of like force a lot of issues between this and it, well, they weren't fun conversations. Um, and but we would end up making progress and having like a clear path of where to go um mm. but it's just hard like when you're spending a lot of money and you know it's hard to make it's hard to commit to something when you're not sure like it's hard to commit to what you're going to eat it's you know it costs thousands of dollars and that's what you're going to eat on your wedding that's what you're going to have eaten on your wedding the whole time and it's like yeah. you know everybody says it's like oh it's just a party it's just your wedding and like it's true it's it it's not actually that important what's important is that we get married, um, but it costs a lot of money and you want to make the right decisions like so I I completely agree with it's not that important in the broad scheme like it's not going to ruin our marriage if our wedding sucks but yeah. why the fuck are we spending the money we're spending and putting all this effort in if we don't care how it turns out you know like obviously. It's worth it was worth the stress, I think. Um so the reason it was stressful is that it, we Tess and I butted heads a lot on making decisions and it was hard to make them. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Um you just want it to be like right and good and the fact that you're having a bunch of people come in from out of town too to spend money to come here and you want it to be good for them as well, not not just for yourself. Um 
I could imagine that kind of wreaking havoc on the senses. What kind of pizza are you eating? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to get really far away from the mic, by the way. Obviously, you can hear me, Keith, because of our headsets. Yeah. Um, but I can't. I can't really hear you that well. If it Where comes through doing? on the mic for our listeners, I'm really sorry. I'm just super hungry. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah, trying. I'm trying to keep it far away. Um, there's this place down the street called Fat Sully's, and we ordered them a few months ago, and they fucked up. Uh, we ordered a large red pizza and a large white pizza, and they gave us two reds. And so they gave me an email that said that I could get a free white pizza. So we got it the other day, and actually really good. They're probably the best pizza we've had around our new spot. Cool. Uh, this white pizza is really good too. So, I right, uh, we'll be back. Satisfaction um, brought to you by Fat Sully's. Oh, I wish we could get a sponsorship by Fat Sully's. That'd be dope as fuck. Um, so, yeah, your wedding was super good. I think because I was part of a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I didn't plan much. I planned a best man or a bachelor party, which was kind of low key. And. It ended up, uh, in my opinion, not paying off because we went to go play a very specific game <laughs> at, a, at a barcade. Uh, and when we got there, the, like literally a day or two before someone had broke, these kids had broken the machine, we came there to play. Um, and it's not just a game. It's like an, an arcade game that they only make like 20 or so in the country. And they just happen to have one close to where you live. Um, so I was like, this sounds really good. And it sounds low key and good and like what you would like so we went there it was broken i was like well fuck what do we do now so we just decided to eat there and they just happened to have really good food they had great food they had giant punch bowls full of whiskey that were super tasty yeah Um, it's rare i feel like that you can buy a a single cocktail that eight people like yeah Yeah. um and i like that a lot and i think everybody else did too so i thought that was pretty neat yeah it definitely seemed like everyone else was really into it i mean we got like three of them so yeah I think it was. It ended up being fun, but it's still a little disappointing, at least for me, because I wanted to play it super bad. It sounded fun. Um, I was definitely disappointed that they didn't have it, but I would not say that the night, the day was disappointing by any means. I had a great time. Yeah, because uh, we we did that, and then we went to <laughs> um, a toy store, which was this is what thirty year old men when they do get married. Yeah. Uh, and the whole bottom floor of this toy store was just board games. And Dude, like they had collectible such card games. a good board game section. Yeah. Which was, is good because I nicest. haven't found a good board game shop around here yet. And that one's like, yeah. what, 15-minute drive away? So it's mm-hmm. definitely... And that's... This toy store is called the Wizard's Chest. And I used it has moved since I was a kid. But when I used to come visit Colorado as a kid, my grandma would take me to the Wizard's Chest every time I came out. It was like my one of my favorite parts of visiting Colorado. Yeah, and then uh, she would send me birthday presents from the Wizard's Chest and Christmas presents. Like I have a, I go way back with that store. So it's interesting going in now as an adult who loves like designer board games because I like that store in a, an entirely new way. It's not nostalgia. Like I have nostalgia when I walk in, but it's this total like board game love. Like I want to go there as an adult for adult. Well, for my adult reasons. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that store is legitimately great. Like the way it's set up, the the fanfare, the the presentation of it all is amazing. It's not like going to Toys R Us; it's a whole different kind of beast. Um, 
So we did that, and then we went home and had some good food. We had lots of good food on this trip. Lots of good food for your wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of tasty eats. Um, yeah, we came home and did sort of a joint thing with Tessa and her ladies because Tessa, luckily, yeah, I say luckily, um, some of Tessa's best friends are also my best friends. And so it was good for us to meet back up because, you know, you and Roger and Tim, well, Tim wasn't there. But anyway, like there's, you know, Tessa's very close to you guys as well. And so, yeah, it wasn't fair for me to have you all day. Yeah, um, that's that's one of the things that was cool about it too. Is like, Tessa is not your wife to me. Like Tessa is my friend. Like we're all we are like a tight knit group of friends that have been friends for a long time. So this never felt like, oh, we got to get Sam out so he's not connect, you know, with his ball and chain forever and make sure he has a good experience. It was like, well, they're both our friends. It's not like this is changing anything at all. It's just. Now they get better tax breaks. Yay. Um, so, th- yeah, that was one of, one of my favorite parts. This is, this has honestly been, and I, I don't care if I offend anybody with this, uh, but that was one the best wedding I've ever been to, um, the most fun. And I, I had a really good time, and it was super hard to come home from that one. So, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I've... I we've had a lot of really good comments about the wedding, um, and then they seem genuine. It, like we've obviously had plenty of comments that are just people being nice and saying they had a good time, but there's been some extreme comments like that that are like really exciting to hear because we did put a fuck load of work in it by our standards, and so to have to know that everyone had such a great time because that's mostly what you're thinking about. You're thinking about what do I like. And what will people like to do? And you're often trying to find a middle ground because it's like, I don't want to fucking have that. It's like, well, everybody else is going to want it. So then you have to find a, find a a compromise. And so it is really great to hear. So thank you. And sorry if you did offend anybody, but we worked hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. Be offended. Talk to me about it like an adult. We'll discuss it. Tweet them at like an adult at uh, tweet.com slash chatshow.com. Chatshow.com is exactly it. Um, So, yeah, the wedding was good, I think, in summary. Um, All right. Unless you want to talk about something else with the wedding, Sam, we can move on. Well, so here's something I thought was interesting earlier. You were saying uh, you were asking about being married and you said that you find a sense of purpose very important to you. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a decent segue into our next topic, which is a video game called Ark Survival mm-hmm. Evolved. Um, yeah. just a short little background. I just sold my MacBook Pro for a pretty penny and used the money to completely upgrade my computer, uh, mm-hmm. and build Tessa a computer out of the guts. And now we are playing a game together called Ark. Mm. Tell the kids all about Ark. Um, why don't you tell the kids about Ark while I eat this pizza? All right. Uh, let's see. How can I best describe Ark? Uh, Ark is like a Jurassic Park simulator. If no, uh, nope, Jurassic nope. Park, if Jurassic Park were boring, and uh, there were no, there was no professionals around to herd the animals or create a park. Um, no, it's like a survival sim. How dare you make me is. put down my pizza to correct <laughs> you? That was the worst description imaginable. 
All right, I'm taking over. Yeah. Um, so, Ark is a survival game, which is like a pretty popular, uh, you know, genre these days. <coughs> you're plopped on this island, and you're naked, and you look kind of like a caveman, and you've got this weird thing on your wrist, and you just have to survive on this island. You'll get hungry and starve to death, or you'll get too cold and freeze to death, or you'll drown in the water, um, like most of the survival games. But the island you're on is full of prehistoric creatures, including dinosaurs. And as you play and survive, you learn how to build things, uh, which can be houses or weapons or saddles, so you can actually tame the dinosaurs and ride them around and use them. Um, So it's just a survival game, but it's a very pretty survival game in a very interesting setting. And it's got its hooks in me hard. I think it has, and it has a big community. It's not like a niche game. It's a very popular game. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's eked its way out on a console. I don't know how big the console base is, but I played the first time I played it was on Xbox because I I don't think I had a PC at the time, uh, and I didn't really care for it. I didn't enjoy it, but I don't. To be fair, to pre- to preface this, uh, I don't really enjoy survival games that much when the uh, main crux of the game is literally just survival. So like keeping yourself fed and uh, warm or cool or any of that stuff. Um, and arc is a grind. It's a lot more fun to play with friends. I will say I enjoy playing with uh, you and Tessa and your brother every now and then. Uh, but it's still, it's not like my flavor of game. It's not my style of game. Uh, I, the best thing going for it, and I agree with you totally, is that the game is really, really pretty. They put a lot of work into the visuals of the game. It's uh, really dynasty. pretty, and it's super atmospheric. Yeah. Ex- absolutely. Um, there's a really good like score that kicks in every now and then, and like just the main score for the game is pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just becomes about survival and really leveling your guy up and there's you know if you die you lose all your shit but you uh, you keep your level and you the ability to make things we used to go forge for all new stuff you don't lose all your shit you lose what you have on you if you are out and you get killed or you kill yourself by accident uh you'll have you have a like 15 minutes i believe to make it back to your corpse and get your stuff or it goes away but you can store things elsewhere like it's not a complete loss um, yeah, I think some games are you have to start over every time. This isn't like that. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Sorry, that, but that's a good distinction. The way we segued into this was about a sense of purpose, and that's what you sort of have been saying is why it is not hooking you. And last mm-hmm. night you said you were done with Ark. I'm, I'm sure that you might sign in again a, a couple times or something, but you're done trying to play it. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, I don't have like anything to do in the game. What I. I don't think I'm done completely playing the game, but uh, what I do want to do is when you guys actually set up a permanent like housing situation, I want to like work my way over there, get there and just kind of set up something too. So that every now and then I can pop in and see what you guys are actually doing. Cause you guys have leveled up so much. So you're getting into actually doing the cool stuff. Um, and I, I just don't think I'm in it for that, for that long haul. And I get that. Um, what I like about this game, I think it taps into a similar feeling I get from one of my favorite gaming franchises, Animal Crossing. Another game I trick you into playing every generation. Yeah. Um, in that there's a lot of stuff to do, but nothing that you have to do. 
And so you just sort of incrementally decide, I want to do this. And ARC, every time you make that decision, it's very hard to do that. Um, yeah. So the first thing you do, like when you very first start the game, it's like, I want to live, I want to not starve to death. This is the very first thing you try to figure out how to do. Mm. Um, because when you first start playing, unless you get killed by a dinosaur right away, which is also happens, um, you'll starve to death. And so you have to figure out how to build a weapon and then you have to kill something and then you kill it, but you get raw meat and then you have to figure out how to build a fire so that you can cook the meat and eat it uh, without poisoning yourself. And like that process to me is fun. Um, and then while you're doing that, while you're trying to accomplish your very first goal, you're leveling up and you're, you're unlocking new abilities or the abilities are basically things you can build. You're unlocking these things to build and then you see what's there and you're like, Oh cool. I can build a foundation and walls and a door and a roof now. And so, uh, then after a while, like you learn how to eat and you just survive for a little while. You survive a few nights, you die, you try to find your body, you die some more, you survive and you get a good footing in on one of your lives and you decide, okay, my, my goal now is to build a tiny single square sized house so that I can stay safe when I turn the game off. Cause this game is persistent. When you stop playing, your character falls over limp in the world and they stay there until you come back. Uh, but there's dinos running around. And if you're playing on uh, a PVP server, there's at any time there's 60 other people running around on the Island that can find your body and kill you. Uh, we are playing on a private server, so we don't have to worry about internet jackasses because that's how we played before. And it was fun. There was a lot of cool shit that happened, but it was way too stressful. Um, but so yeah. then you try to make this house like, and while you're working on that, you're unlocking more things to build and you find out you can build a sleeping bag and a sleeping bag lets you spawn to a specific area, which is nothing you've done before. At first, all you've ever done is randomly spawned on a beach and tried to find where you were before when that's not easy because your map is literally a piece of paper with a map on it. It doesn't tell you where you are. Like in every other video game, you just look at it and you're like, well, I think that's that mountain or something like, and that's, I think that's so cool. Like, we were trying to meet up yesterday and I literally had to say, okay, get to the West coast and go till you hit a waterfall and then follow the waterfall up the stream. And eventually you'll find my place like around a bend. You guys never made it, but it's like the fact that that's how I had to describe where I was. I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, but so that's, I, I'm going on and on obviously, but that is what, that is what gets me with arc is that I decide I want to do something. I decide I want to tame this creature and there's a lot I have to do in order to tame it. And I get killed. And I, I will make a bunch of progress and then lose that progress. I'll have to start over. And it's really frustrating. But then when I finally accomplish the thing I decided I wanted to do, it is immensely satisfying. Um, yeah. So I built I built a little house. Like I, I went exploring. I found a place. And I built a house. And I was really happy to have built it. And now I've got a house. And now my goal when we get off this podcast, I'm going to go in and uh, I want to build a pen out back of my house so that I can tame some things, keep them in the pen, and I'm also going to put a garden in there. All of this is so that I can start growing the crops necessary and harvesting the eggs necessary to build a special food so that I can tame a pteranodon and fly it around. So I'm putting in all of this work. My ultimate goal is to tame a few pteranodons and be able to fly them. But that means yeah. first I've got to make this food to tame them because it tames them way, way faster than using normal food. Um, but in order to do that, I've got to go tame some dodos and collect their eggs. But if I want to do that, I need a pen to put them in. 
Uh, and then I'm going to need veggies to like, or certain ingredients to mix with these eggs. Like, and so th- it all adds up and that ends up being days of work to accomplish a single goal. Um, yeah, but it's a goal I decide on. And that's the thing I think you were saying is like, you need the game to sort of give you your objectives. Um, yeah. and that's, that's how arc has its hooks to me. And that's today more than any other day since we started playing on Saturday, uh, I want to play so bad because I've got the idea for this garden in my head and I know I can get it. I know I can get it started. It made me take a few dodos. Like I know, I know what I want to do and I want to just get in there and do it. Um, and I'm really excited to be playing on a private server because now I can continue down to the even harder goals eventually. Cause I don't have to worry about a real person wiping out all of my progress because they will kill you, break down your door and literally take everything you have. Yeah. Um, the there was and at your at your wedding too there was a nice little uh i don't know what you would call it um there was a callback to an animal that was very near and dear to i think it was tessa's animal right no it was mine it was yours uh uh, a fellow named rodney um and you had like a real emotional thing with this this guy and uh what happened to you was super shitty and reminded me of the biggest heartbreaks in game of thrones yeah pretty much um it was the first time we played this like a year and a half ago i'd never tamed an animal before i didn't know how to do it and i tamed this triceratops um and it took me two and a half hours to tame him um of real life time because I didn't know what I was getting into and I didn't want to give up once I started because I wanted to tame him. I finally got him. I named him Rodney and I rode him around for about five, 10 minutes. And then some guy just came out and killed him and then killed me. And it was, it was like true heartbreak. I, I bonded with this animal over the time it took me to tame him. I was so excited to have it. And then some guy just for no reason killed me, killed him, took all my stuff. And that was like, and then I had to go to work. It was a really depressing day at work. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't even that. It was that you knew someone was around and you went to go and like make a peace offering of like, I see that you have the space here. I live down the road. I'm I'm very much just trying to exist in peace. Don't mess with me. Here's a thing. Here's like a an egg, which is a dinosaur egg, which is are like pretty uncommon as like a peace offering. And then you went home and then he just like came and slaughtered you. If I remember that, if that's the story correctly, that is, I was closing my door to stop playing and his T-Rex's head that he was riding just smashed through the roof of my house and killed me in one bite. Yeah. Uh, but the, the thing is the game, the world of the game is so filled out and it, it ticks like really well. Like you'll just see a dinosaur running for its life and then you'll see another dinosaur chasing it down the beach. And they don't care about you. They're just doing their own thing. Um, And you'll see these amazing like vistas and sunrises and sunsets and stuff. And then there's like one of my favorite moments that's happened in the game uh, in this in this most recent play is uh, you, me and Tessa are playing and we all had to swim across this river. And Mm -hmm. um, you were in the back. So describe it from your perspective. So, yeah, we were trying to I don't remember what we were trying to do, but we all needed to swim across this river to get to where we were going and uh we're all swimming and i'm just kind of like looking around because the the like underwater the water effects in the game are incredible especially i think 
So, so like I'm, I'm just looking around and I look behind me and in my face, like immediately in my face is a giant fucking shark. And it's not like a normal size shark. Like in real life, they're oversized. So it was especially scary. And I had no idea it was there. Uh, and I just started screaming. I was like, holy sh-. And I was about to like sign off. So I was really tired and yeah. I was like, let's just get here and I'll go to bed. And so I turn around and there's a shark and I'm just like screaming. I'm like, oh my fucking God, there's a shark. Oh my God. And I was convinced it was going to kill me. Um, and then you guys start freaking out and they're like, holy shit, we got to save Keith. And we all started attacking it and I didn't think we would kill it, but we ended up killing it. Well, we like all swam in different directions because we, you're not going to do shit against the shark. Uh, and I think it's, it's a megalodon. Like that's the big prehistoric shark. Um, we, yeah, we like swam zigzaggy to escape this shark. And as soon as we get to the shore, it like beached itself and we just start fucking going crazy on it. Um, Yeah, but that was like truly terrifying. It was a surprise, and I you said that, and then I watched a shark swim under my legs, like, and that's like it's genuinely scary. Um, and that's the thing, like this game, since it's all real time, since you lose stuff so much, you have a sincere fear of dying that uh, I don't think exists in most games, especially not the ones I play. Like I know in. Uh, games like Dark Souls and stuff like you can lose a lot when you die so I know they're out there but I don't play many games like that and so having like having a real attachment and commitment or not commitment but a real attachment to the things that you've spent a bunch of time creating and that you can really truly lose if you fuck up or something goes wrong like it creates a tension that is missing in most games these days yeah absolutely and that that is something that I enjoy about Dark Souls is that you you can't play it passively. It's something you have to be heightenedly aware aware of, and uh, those are the things that I like about Ark as well. But Ark is a little too much for me. It's like um, I I'm not saying that it's a bad game at all. I am acknowledging that it's a pretty great game. It has some flaws for sure, like technical flaws. Um, but it's a really pretty game. It's probably one of the prettiest games I've ever played. Uh, and if you are a survival game nut then i think this game uh definitely would scratch those itches for you or even not i'm not a survival game nut by any means um yeah it's just interesting and i do so my brother started playing this and i think i think he's gonna like it he seemed he seemed pretty into what he was doing um you know he does this thing where he's like sort of act he's like well i'm only doing this because of this and it's like yeah that's the whole game is every step of the way it's like well i have to do this do this and then i have to do this do this and then then you're level 100 yeah um, um but yeah so arc we've been playing it and i wish you liked it more because i like playing online games with you because it's the way we get to hang out but we got yeah. plenty of other games we can play yeah um i plan on just uh hanging out and talking to you guys while you guys still play it and just play something else yeah exactly um because it's just nice to be it's nice to feel like you're hanging out even though we're doing something different um yeah arc's cool i mean what else do you want to say about arc before we move on um nothing just i can't wait to build my my garden i want to get this fucking podcast over with (laughs) sorry well i'm gonna i'm gonna grab a little bit more of your time uh yeah since we've been back i've uh i've been playing a few games and one of the games that I want to champion that I don't think uh, Sony's doing a good enough job of promoting 
is uh, this game called Nex Machina. And it's really the studio that I want to promote because it's a studio called Housemark, and they make exclusively twin-stick shooters, but they've never made a sequel to any of their games. So they've probably made like six or seven games for Sony at this point. And I think this next one, probably a few of the games are on PC as well. Um, But they make exclusively twin-stick shooters, and each one is like a spiritual successor or just an offshoot of that brand. Um, and they're just incredibly good at it. They, all their games are pure gameplay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a list of their games just so I can talk about them. But Housemark is a really good studio, and I don't understand why Sony hasn't signed them on as a first party studio. It's definitely a second party um, endeavor. But Next Machina is a, is just another uh, good game in the line of great games that they've made. Um, and I played a little bit of it. I, I really enjoy it. I, it's well-crafted. Uh, you're basically like this kid that's uh, stuck in a computer arcade game. And a lot of twin-stick shooters are just like a static level and that you work through survival. But there's like actually like five levels and a boss at, e- at the end of each level. Um, and the levels break down in sections. So you'll complete a wave or a section and then you'll immediately transport yourself to another piece of the map and you just like fight in this one zoned out area and and in every zone there's like lots of little secrets to find so um as you're not only trying to kill all the guys and and increase your score there's power-ups in the level two and there's also humans to save so you have to like literally go collect them and save them um and there's hidden humans as well so they might be hiding in some of the geometry and stuff so you have to shoot it to break it and find them um all kinds of neat little like secret paths and everything uh once you start getting delving into the game and really trying to find all the secrets it becomes like a really fun and they have a really addicting sense to all those games of like when you mess up you're like all right i'll just do it one more time one more playthrough just one more one more go um kind of like if you remember playing geometry wars at all same oh yeah yeah i was always terrible at geometry Mm -hmm. wars but i still love playing it the music was so good it was so simple but pretty i remember eventually i started playing uh, since i was bad enough at it i would just see how long i could survive without shooting my gun yeah um and they actually had uh in some of the subsequent games there were modes where you can you couldn't fire and it was kind of like a survival sort of thing um yeah, I think anyone who's played uh, like Geometry Wars or anything, uh, you should check out one of these guys' games. The only game they've made that is not like that is a game called Outland. And it came out on, on, I think they made this for Xbox. It was exclusive to Xbox at first, but I think it's on everything <laughs> now. Um, but, uh, here, I'm running through. Oh, shit, they've made a lot of games, a lot more than I gave them credit for. Uh, I just so watched a couple of little trailers for Next Machina. It looks really good. <clears throat> it's it's really great. The you know the aesthetic is a very Tron like type thing. Um, it's not on the, the Switch, the, is it? It's not, and I don't know if it'll. They have not made a game for Nintendo at all, so I have no idea. It looks like it would be there. a great Switch game. It would, it would be definitely. I think uh, to be fair though, I think every game would be a great Switch game. Um. Yeah, but it looks like it's got, it's got that pick up and play like with with Switch's portability. I feel like that makes it look even better. Yeah. So 
did you ever did you ever play Super Stardust when it came out? Because it kind of uh, it kind of came out a little bit after uh, Geometry Wars. It's on the PS3. Um, Super Stardust. No, I don't believe so. I kind of recognize the game. It was like it was like Geometry Wars, except Geometry Wars took place on a flat map, and right. Super Stardust took place on basically a globe. So it was kind of like playing on a planet. Okay. Um, but essentially the same thing and then they've they've like taken that formula and expanded it out so like the next big game that they made was a game called dead nation which was like a zombie game where you actually played through levels but it was still a twin stick shooter and that one got a little more involved where you started like buying upgrades for your weapons and buying different weapons and having a whole economy economy where you had to like get money to buy stuff uh I think that one to me has been their weakest entry in all these games. But then, yeah, this game Outland for for Xbox and PS3 was really great. Um, Resogun was a PS4 launch game that was free at the time, and that game was excellent. It was an it was another kind of basic twin stick shooter, but uh, that one's been the most intense, I think, because you had to like literally not stop moving in that game, and if to build your multiplier you had to be killing things constantly and if you went like two seconds without killing something the multiplier would would reset um so like good score chasers uh let's see their dead nation resogun alien nation was another one they put out on ps4 that probably was a little too involved because uh it had a very diablo style like loot grind so you're trying to find like better weapons for yourself and swapping out different types of weapons to find out what you liked and Still had that basic twin stick shooter uh, control scheme, but was expanded out to more of a uh, probably a, a bigger gameplay story complex than it needed to be. Um, and Next Machina is just released, and I really love it. But And then they have a game coming out called Matterfall, which looks interesting. They haven't showed gameplay, but like the, the trailer showed, if it's any indication of gameplay, it looks, uh, looks like it could be good, too. Yeah. So uh yeah, Housemark is is a company that I think people should keep their eyes on. They make some of the best games for PS4 that uh Sony doesn't do a good job of marketing, so I'm doing it for them. You're welcome. Uh Satisfaction brought to you by Housemark. Yep. And I've also been getting back into a game that came out early in the year called Neo. Yeah, uh, it's, I wanted to ask, how come you didn't get into Neo before? I actually did. I put a bunch of time into it, and then I stopped playing it because there's a lot to the game. Uh, so originally it was coming out, I just thought of it as, or it was definitely heavily marketed as, like, here's a Dark Souls-style game made by Team Ninja, who made the Ninja Gaiden games. Uh, and I like those games. Uh, I don't think there's every they're they're not like the Dark Souls games though. They're more about uh like high high combos or Devil May Cry style game. Uh but they are very they were very difficult. Um so they were making this game called Neo and they had a couple of betas for it and I thought it was neat. Um and then the reviews started coming out and it sounded like everyone was loving it. So I got it and initially was overwhelmed by it because there's so many systems to go into the game. So outside of the game just being like hard to play, fi- figuring out what the combat pace is, uh, you could like start to buy move sets for the character. So it became every bit as diverse as Ninja Gaiden was, which basically the move set of that game 
was the same as like a move set in a fighting game. It was massive. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Um, and depending on like you have to like dedicate to a certain style of weapon because there's you only level up with so much and have to dedicate it to those specific weapons. So figuring out what I actually like to use took a bit of doing. Um, you're you're constantly getting loot like in Diablo, but more so. So it was like sorting through all that shit too became a slog and trying to figure out like what I should really dedicate myself to. Um, it just became overwhelming at a certain point and I just put it down and I was like, I'll, I'll come back to this. I like what's going on in here, but I really need to figure out what's going, what, what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and then I started playing other games, just getting wrapped up in other stuff. And I was, and I was like, I, I don't know if I'll ever come back to this, but I held on to it. Um, and we got back and, uh, Roger and your brother were playing one night and I was like, fuck it. I'll just pop it in and see what it's all about again. And I, it's hard to get back into when you're deep into it as I was. So I was probably about halfway through it. Um, and, uh, yeah, something just clicked with me again. And I actually looked up online, like what I should be doing in this game. And it was a lot more simpler. The game doesn't do a good job of explaining what to do. It's just like, here's all the shit you can do now go do stuff. Um, but there's a lot of things that you should be worrying about until end game. Um, so I wish they kind of would have, wouldn't have even introduced it until end game. Um, it reminds me of the Witcher three, like when you start getting all these missions and that game feels like it, the game is amazing, but it regurgitates everything about itself at you at the very beginning of the game. Um, which is to its detriment. I think there's something to be said about when games are good about that slow drip of information, especially when there's a lot going on in the game. Um, it's good. It's good design. And I think Zelda is good about that. The new breath of the wild. Nintendo um, in general, I think is pretty good about that. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I've, I've read a lot of stuff and watched videos on like the essentially like this, the school of the Mario school of design. And it's mm-hmm. like teaching people how to do things without telling them how to do it. And it's exactly. like you get your first, you get your setting and then you get your modifier and then you get an opportunity to explore that modifier in a safe safe place. And then you have to apply that modifier to overcome a challenge. Like it's this four-step process. Um, yeah. And that's like if you look at a Mario game, that's how they all operate. Like even the very first World 1-1 one, one of Mario, you start moving to the right. You hit the block. You get a mushroom. You get to some blocks that you have to jump over. So you learn how to jump. Uh, but there's no penalty for not jumping and then mm-hmm. uh so this isn't has to do with the mushroom but just the jumping because i mean at this point that was a novel idea and then you get to a very small gap and you have to jump over it and then you start getting a bigger gaps and it's like without the game telling you what to do you figure out what to do um, yeah and that's always impressive but yeah when it's like here's your uh you know here's here's your manual and you have to know how to do everything right away it's always pretty challenging to remember yeah. So even something as simple as like because of the loot grind, like getting rid of your old shit that just isn't good anymore. It's like, well, do I sell it for money or you can do this thing where you like offer it up to a shrine and I'm like, well, what's the difference between the two and what's the benefit of the two and what should I really be doing any right now? Cause do I need the money or do I need the stuff from the shrine or where is this even going? Uh, and the game doesn't do a good job of explaining that. But once you look into it and kind of figure out what to do or what you want to do, um, the game is actually really cool, and I think it's it's a good it's a, an amazing game for people that do like 
deep systems that uh, play off of each other. So it is overwhelming, but it's a really good game. And I'm right now the way I'm in, in it, I'm super enjoying it. That's awesome. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So that's what, uh, that's what I've been up to. Nice. What, what else you got? Um, well, what have you guys been up to? Oh, were you going to ask the audience for a minute? This is the audience participation point. Yeah. You guys, Sam and I will pause politely. Like, okay, so like yeah, let's game. let's ask at the same time, Keith. Three, two, okay. one. What have you been what up you guys to? Been up to. Oh, really? Sorry if I just interrupted you. Ah, oh, that's so oh. cool. That's like literally the coolest. I, I mean, it's not the coolest, but it's pretty cool. Like the thing, they they whoever Keith's talking to, that one is the coolest. Yeah. Okay, I can't that's believe enough. Deborah said that. <laughs> okay, now that's enough. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, just another little uh, titty bit. You and I are both quite excited about the all but 100% inevitable announcement of the Super Nintendo Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing. Uh it was all but inevitable because the NES Classics sold like crazy, even though Nintendo stopped making them. We'll never understand why. Or maybe we will someday. But uh, yeah. the, the NES Classics sold great, but the NES is not that great. What is that great is the Super Nintendo. There's not a person, there isn't anybody who has played video games that doesn't love the Super Nintendo, pretty much. Like, yeah. if anybody played one when they were younger at all, they love it. They either love it or they don't know about it. There's nobody that says, "Oh, I don't care for the Super Nintendo." Like that's not a that's not a human being that exists. Um, yeah, and it's because the it has so many phenomenal games on it. As you and I have mentioned before, um, I think you you said this first, and I 100% agree. Like versions of games on the Super Nintendo is it's like the pinnacle of 2D gaming. Um, yeah. The Super Nintendo Zelda is still one of the best games ever made. I mean, many Super Nintendo games are still to this date one of the best games ever made. And they hold up. That's the thing. You could play through Super Metroid today Mm -hmm. and have so much fun playing it. Um, Whereas for me, and I know I've mentioned this before, but with NES, I I have fun, but it's like I know I could be playing a better version. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel that way about a lot of Super Nintendo games. Um, But so they... All they had to do is make it. It would have sold every console. Every one they make will sell. Um, all they had to do is put some good games on it and everyone would sell. But what surprised everyone is that they announced that it is coming with the never-released sequel to the original Star Fox, which is a game yeah. that got basically completed and then canceled. And I was reading about... It was canceled basically because that was when the uh, like PlayStation was coming out and they had way better 3D effects. And Nintendo didn't want to draw unwelcome comparisons between the 3D in Star Fox 2 and the 3D in like, the, the launch PlayStation games. Um, so that's why it was canceled. I'm sure there was more to it than that. But it's yeah. a game that there was like a, a partially completed version of it has been out like on the internet. And I, I know people who have JW has tried to play it and stuff. Um, and so it's just kind of amazing that Nintendo, they, they don't, they didn't need any reason to sell the super Nintendo classic. Like all they needed to do is put a handful of good games on it and it would have sold 
the fact that they're doing something like this is really cool. It's a really cool move. Um, and it's Nintendo. So they're going to fuck it up somehow. Uh, like that's only going to be available on the super Nintendo classic ever. And they're not going to make very many of them or something shitty like that. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I would have been really excited for the super Nintendo classic, no matter what I'm super excited about it now because of, uh, star Fox two. Yeah. Um, the super NES classic is a really, really exciting prospect. I mean, all of the games that are coming out for it. I'm going to pull a list up real quick. Oh, yeah, it has a it has a top notch list. Um, they're all games that I've already replayed a million times, and will pl- replay them a million times before I die. Um, they're just great fucking games. Uh, and you really couldn't. You, there's not a better collection. There, there's no thing that comes with a better collection of games than this. Super Mario World, which is arguably the best Mario game. Uh, a Zelda Link to the Past, which is arguably the best Zelda game. Uh, Super Metroid, arguably the best Metroid game. F-Zero, Kirby, Earthbound, which I don't even think came out in the States. Am I right on that? No, Earthbound did. Um, there's a sequel. The sequel to it never did. Okay uh yoshi's island super mario rpg which people fucking go bananas over um my complaint here is that the final fantasy that they're putting out is the worst super nintendo final fantasy really final fantasy 3 is not not good especially compared to 4 and 6 i don't understand why they didn't put either of those on instead um but yeah like secret of mana is a great rpg two castlevania games that are pretty fucking spectacular that my only i could have i wouldn't have minded if they charged more if they this this thing's 80 bucks and there's 21 games on it um yeah i would have been okay if they charged more and put some more games on it because there's some missing things like if they god i i don't care about this personally because it's i've always will love this game but i've never played it myself it's just not my style of game but I know too many people that would have paid $80 if the only game that was on it was Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Um, and there's, there are the Super Nintendo had so many good games. Like they could have put the, they, they could have put a lot of good games. An act razor. I would have been super excited for, um, a, a game that I've always loved personally, but I don't think it ever had that huge of a fan base is a game called metal warriors. I would have been stoked Mm -hmm. if that was on there. Like if, if they had put even more on, I would have, like I was saying, I I would pay two hundred dollars for a Super Nintendo Classic that had uh, the one hundred best Super Nintendo games on it. Yeah, um, easily. Yeah, I mean, easily. And um, that's yeah, yeah, it's pretty rad. Chrono Trigger seems like a misstep. Like it, seriously, Final Fantasy three is probably out of a list of the greatest RPGs is down is at the bottom, like for sure. Um, I don't I don't understand that decision, but I guess. Nintendo some for some reason somehow has a reason. So to be fair, knows? Chrono Trigger um is it's not Nintendo's game. Um yeah. and I know Final Fantasy is there there are plenty of games on there that aren't Nintendo's games either. Yeah. But Chrono Trigger is everybody knows how popular Chrono Trigger is, and I'm sure mm-hmm. Nintendo had to pay some degree of licensing for any third party games. And Chrono Trigger might just have been too much. Um Yeah. I don't think Chrono Trigger's ever gotten any form of virtual console release. Uh, no, well, there's a 3DS version of it to buy. 
It's true. They they made a new version, but that goes to show you like they never put it out on the virtual console. As far as I'm going to double check that right quickly. I'm pretty sure you're right because they did release that three that DS version of it, which at that point is like why why even include it on the virtual console? Oh no, apparently. Um, they did put it on the Wii Virtual Console in 2011. Mm. Weird. Very weird. So yeah, I don't know. I would I would imagine there's a rights issue because um, I do think Chrono Trigger is kind of a no-brainer. That's such a, a beloved game. I know a lot of people like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Oh yeah, game. that is a great game. Um, yeah, that's the thing. There are, there are plenty of games that could have gone on there. They could have put on more Donkey Kong Countries. They could have put on, uh, yeah, Zombies Eat My Neighbors, Uni Racers. Like, there's a bunch of fun games that would have been a blast to have on. But the games that they do have on there, um, I've never been a big RPG fan, but so I don't care that much about Final Fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some really amazing games on there. And it comes with two controllers, which I think is fantastic. And it was a, a huge mistake for the NES Classic. Yeah, it makes it super worth the 80 bucks to just have another controller in there. Cuz here's the thing, it's like I want to play I want to play Contra with people. I want to play Street Fighter with people, F0, Mario Kart. Um, there's some great really great multiplayer games in here that yeah. uh it would be dumb if they didn't include it with uh two controllers. So, yeah, the Super NES Classic, I am super fucking stoked on this thing. Me too. Um it, on the Nintendo Classic, did they have the uh, the kind of I don't know what you, the the term for it is, but where you could like freeze frame it and then come back to it? Yes, they had that on there. Yeah, what is it, that called? Um, it's like save state, freeze state, yeah, save state. Um, the NES Classic is an amazing emulator box. Like it runs yeah. everything so well. That's the thing. I don't know that much about this stuff, but. People who do like the emulation on the NES Classic is like the best form of emulation for Nintendo games that there's ever been, essentially. Um, and so I'm expecting the same out of the Super Nintendo Classic. And so that's what's so great about it. Is it's not just a box that's going to let me play some of the best Super Nintendo games ever made, but it's a box that is uh, that's going to run these games at Nintendo quality and is made by Nintendo. Like we're about to have new Super Nintendo controllers made by Nintendo. Like that's mm-hmm. that's cool to me. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited about it. It was. It was an inevitable announcement, but the fact that they are putting Star Fox Two on there, like we're about to play a new Nintendo made Super Nintendo game. Like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I'm. The only thing I'm jealous of is uh, Europe's version of the console looks so much better than the American version. See, and I I grew up with the U.S. Super Nintendo, so I don't like I I love the you know, the PAL one has always I like the colors and the controller I like the way it looks, but I grew up with the U.S. one, and so that's what I want. Like I want, I'm glad I that they didn't make the NES Classic the top loader because I didn't have a top loader, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that I'm getting the U.S. Super NES because these are the ones I had. Um, and so I like that they look like the ones I had. I do think the European one looks awesome, and I've always liked the colored buttons on it a lot. Yeah, but. You know, I had purple and gray buttons, so I don't mind having what I had. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind either. I'm just, I wish we had the option. You're just furious. Just, I am furious. 
Also, the J- the Japanese version comes with a game that I really loved as a kid called The Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Ooh. which is, I don't, I don't know if it's actually a good game, but I just enjoyed playing it as a kid a lot. Um, and I kind of want that, but yeah. I'm excited for this. I, they say Nintendo claims there's going to be far more units out in the wild this time, but yes. they say they're only selling it so far through 2017 and the game comes out in September or the thing comes out in September the console itself they say uh, very specifically that they are have only announced that they're selling it through 26 or 2017 it's mm-hmm. not like they don't say we're only doing this and then we'll we'll play it by year afterwards they say like as of now we're only saying we're selling it through the year so we'll see and i i don't i'll never understand why they stopped selling the NES classic I won't understand when they stop selling this unless the unless the, I think part of the whole point of these is it's a bit of fan service uh, and it's to get these games in people's minds again. And then I think they're going to, they've got to bust out the virtual console on the switch at some point. And you know, if people all, if kids and stuff are learning to like these super Nintendo games and these Nintendo games that have never played them before, then all of a sudden, uh, they're like, hey, guess what? You can also play all these on the go with your Switch. And that yeah, would be dope. I, I made a mistake before. I said there were two Castlevania games. There's just one. Gotcha. I forgive you. Thanks. I was looking for that. All right. Yeah. I hope I can get my hands on one. Because it's going to be. The thing is, they're making broke. more, but yeah. everybody knows now what happened with the NES Classic. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be just as hard because there'll be more out there, but there's going to be more people trying to buy them right away. Yeah, it's fucking scalpers. It's so fucking infuriating. Like, I, I just, we just, we want them. Like, why not just let the people who actually want to buy them, I don't know, it's it's maddening. And I don't understand people that get mad. They're like, Nintendo is encouraging this. Like, what is, Nintendo doesn't have any skin in that game. Like, they don't make money off these scalpers. They make the same yeah. amount of money no matter who buys them. Like, it's they get some press when things are like when there's a shortage of things i guess but you think they'd want to just keep selling them yeah but Um, i also i imagine the profit margin isn't huge on uh on these things yeah well i hope i get one and i i hope and will pray that you get one as well i i'm not i'm not gonna pray I'm going to only pray, so that's just how much I care. Well, no, I hope, thanks. and I will. I'm I've with, like, uh, Amiibo and stuff like that, like, I've, I'm pretty good at staying ahead of scalpers when I want something, especially, like, Nintendo shit. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend uh, Harris is really good at it, too. Harris actually got me and JW our uh, Nintendo Classics. Um, I got one on launch day. I got a Nintendo Classic day. came out. I didn't even – I wasn't planning on getting one. I was at home and saw some posts about them coming out at midnight and it was like 1145 and I just drove to my local Walmart, walked in and got the last one. Um, and I, we gave it to my brother and I gave it to my dad for Christmas. Um, but then I didn't really have the money to get an NES classic. And, uh, I think I did probably mention this already as well, but my friend Harris, Got me and my brother one for Christmas, which is pretty fantastic. And he's always like, we've already been chatting a bunch. He's looking for pre-orders for the SNES Classic and the PAL SNES Classic. He's probably going to get both of them. 
Mm. Um, I think he got the the Famicom uh, version of the NES Classic as well as the US one. Mm. Did it come with different games? Um, I think there were a couple differences, yeah. And it just looked completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Uh, Let's see. I want to go here soon, but I also... And actually, I might not play ARK, so that's not why I'm going. It might be a little late to start. Um, But I wanted to... uh, So I haven't been on the show in a few weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. You guys did like an E3 reactions show? Yeah. Did you talk about Nintendo stuff? Because I got to make sure that that's been taken care of. Yeah, we did talk about Nintendo. I thought Nintendo had the best show, best showing, and uh, Mario was the best game of E3. Mario looks absolutely amazing. Um, I think I'm currently more excited for Samus Returns just because it comes out in September. Oh, no, Mario comes out in October, doesn't it? It does. My God, Nintendo is... The thing is, one thing I'll say negative, I'm... I don't want to be excited for a 3DS game anymore, but there's like three yeah. of them that I'm going to buy. Um, they need to stop this shit. I, mm-hmm. But I say they need to stop it, but the Switch is still sold out everywhere and it's been out for uh, coming up on four months, so clearly they're doing something right. Yeah. Um, but I'm uh, I'm super excited for Metroid Returns, or Samus Returns. Um, I love metroid i haven't played a good 2d metroid in a very long time um or any 2d metroid in a very long time and i'm just super excited they're making a new one even if it's an old one um there was a really good quote from uh the metroid guy his name escaped is it sakamoto i think so don't quote um me on yeah I'm, i i believe that's true as well but i'm not sure but um he he said that like basically said working on Samus returns has like shown him the possibility, like open up the possibilities for him for 2d Metroids, which is so exciting if he's like all jazzed on making more 2d Metroids after this and everyone's excited for it. It's supposed to have played really good. And so I'm really hoping it does well. And Nintendo starts making more of them. Mm. Yoshio Sakamoto. Cool. You're right. Um, yeah, I I really love Metroid. I love that style of game. Obviously, uh, I think anything that is coined as a Metroidvania is automatically a good game, at the very least. I've never played any bad ones. I'm sure there yeah. are bad ones out there. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a series that's uh, very close to my heart, and I, I love it. And I actually haven't played Metroid 2, and I, I'm sure not a lot of people have. So I think it's a good idea to remake it. Um, with that sort of like new age sheen and polish and put it out for cause I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of people that are unfamiliar with it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played it either. Um, I mean, my understanding of it is that it's like all the environments look the same. It's really bland. Uh, it's like a fun, it's, it's fun to go through the story, but that it's not that great of a game um, because it was so limited. And so it seems like they're really taking some fun liberties with gameplay and everything that should make it a lot of fun. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I downloaded uh, some fan-made version of it that was free that Nintendo took down quickly, and I have it on my computer, and I started it. I just never put any real time into it. Um, it is called Another Metroid... Another... Um, another Metroid 2 Remake, AM2R. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, exactly. I have not played it either. I've heard nothing but absolutely great things about it. Um, mm-hmm. I know everyone was expecting that guy to be pissed with this announcement, but he's like, he's like, no, the reason I made uh, AM2R is because I wanted to play the Metroid 2 that I never got. He's like, I'm just as excited as everybody else. Like, he's just stoked to play Metroid 2. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Like the guy could be bitter about it. He's been a long, it's been like 10 years on that mm. fan project. Um, but he got to put it out and it got a incredible reception. Like, and you can, it's been taken down, but you can still get it. Anybody can get it if they want to. Um, so that's gotta be satisfying. And now he gets to play a new Metroid from Nintendo, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Metroid prime four, whenever that's a real game that can be shown. I I remain like I loved Metroid Prime one. I couldn't get into two. I haven't played three, and Metroid Prime was not what I wanted from their E three, and so I was kind of disappointed at first. And then an hour later, they announced uh, the Metroid two remake. So now I am excited for both of them, but I'm still like, there's been nothing to see on on Prime four. So I'm I'm I'll be happy to see something when there's something to see, and then I'll figure out if I'm excited or not. Prime 3 is a great game with an uninteresting story. And I don't remember playing a lot of Prime 2, but I remember it being really hard in a really not good way. Because um, Prime just, 1 was kind of hard. Yeah, Prime 1 was hard. Um, but it was good. Like, I really liked it. Um, yeah. I'm I What I want, what I know my brother wants, what I think most Metroid fans want, is a new entry in the series. Like... Metroid Fusion came out almost 15 years ago, I believe. Uh, mm. And that essentially is Metroid 4. And yeah. everything they've done, other end, which was terrible, all three Metroid Prime games, they all take place like in between 1 and 2 or 2 and 3. Um, and it's like, just push the story forward. Like, Samus has a cool new Fusion suit. Fucking roll with it. Like, do something new with the story instead of trying to squeeze these stories in so metroid prime 4 is just like is, are they really putting in a fourth story in between metroid and i believe it's one and two like yeah. that that just gets old like because metroid is one of the very few games that nintendo makes that actually has a like a cohesive story um that the, the a linear story at least it actually crosses through games and so i want five i want to see what happens to samus next yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want a Metroid. I want a fusion suit amiibo. Is the fusion suit just part of her now? Because uh, I never, I never finished fusion, but I got really far in it. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was like the fusion suit was like the best they could do when she got like, like they they let like the Metroid stuff uh, mix with her DNA essentially, and the fusion suit mm-hmm. is like keeps her alive. So I'm pretty sure it is yeah. just part of her. Um, it has been a very long time since I've played that game. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's fine. Like, they could start her off with the fusion suit. She could get more armor that goes on top of it. Like, they could just move forward. I just want... Yeah. Nintendo, I think, as much as I love them, they're all way too afraid to move forward with any of their stories. That's why most of their games have minimal story or they have a new story every time. They don't actually advance the series. Um, yeah. And it means they get to keep making these games, but like Metroid, like let's just see what happens. I'm okay with that though, because I think today we put a little too much emphasis on story, and really, 
I think there's a place for it. Like, obviously, people love those Telltale games, and there's a lot of games in that same style where it's literally just story. Um, but, you know, playing through Breath of the Wild and looking at what uh, the new Mario looks like, I'm more interested in them changing up, like, how we play these games now. and what What's a new, like, gameplay click is going to be. Um, so I enjoy that, and I know I can always rely on Nintendo for that. Of Like, you know, I, could, I jumped in. This new Zelda was really telling where you can... It's this big, massive open world game with lots of shit to do, and within five minutes you're in it. Like it doesn't. There's no huge setup. It's just you. You know what's going on here. You're the hero. There's somebody who needs your help. You go, go do. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I, I genu- generally agree with that. But that's like, since I mostly play Nintendo stuff, that's where I kind of it's like, okay, here's the one time I do want a story like. I normally yeah. play the games without, and I agree in general that's what I prefer. But a good story is good. Good story is good. the The standard for that is higher these days too. Stories, yeah, that's true. Story, stories and games of you know that time they weren't written by, they were not they didn't have writers. They just had a dude that was like, "Here's kind of an idea," and wrote some dialogue that was terrible. And we had lots of fun memories of that as kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was how game stories got made. And then somewhere in the like, PS2, PS3 era, people started hiring actual writers. Um, so, yeah, this is... I don't know where I'm going with that, but that's just what I wanted to say. I feel you, dog. I feel you. Um, so, yeah, that can be our show. I think this is a good return. It's nice to be back, everybody. Um, you know, you had some guest episodes that were actually about something, and now I'm back, so we're just chatting, chatting it yeah. up. That's what we do. But hopefully we chatted enough that, Keith, you feel... Chatisfied? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. I feel chatisfied. Good. Me too. And I'm black... Uh, black <laughs> and i'm white i'm black have a good one uh, <laughs> um i'm glad that you're back and that you're married and uh hit us up on the usual spots twitter facebook rate review subscribe on itunes and podbean um and we'll see you next week um goodbye everybody i am gonna play a little bit of arc Cool. I'm going to talk to you while you do that. Dope. Sick and fresh.